Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Happy New Year, everyone. This is Jack Rico, and welcome to 2017. This is our first podcast episode of the new year, and I'm very excited about the show we have today. We're going to be talking about the Megyn Kelly departure from Fox News to NBC and its overall impact in the media industry with Rachel Stockman, who is a senior editor at media website Mediaite.com. We also talk about one of the best animated films of the year with Zootopia. I catch up with director and producer Rich Moore and Clark Spencer to discuss the creative power and the appeal of the film, as well as the details on how they managed to lure superstar Shakira to perform on the soundtrack. And finally, I shoot the breeze with my good friend Kelvin Chavez, founder of the movie website latinoreview.com. We cover everything from today's digital movie culture to fraudulent movie trailers that sucker us in to see a movie where those clips aren't in the film what's going on with these guys what's up what's up studios uh and everything else in between like the golden globe so stick around hope you enjoy the show The big news in media this week was the announcement that Fox News' Megyn Kelly would be leaving the network and moving over to NBC. So I'll be leaving Fox News at the week's end and starting a new adventure, joining the journalists at NBC News, who I deeply admire. I'll be anchoring a daytime show there, along with a Sunday night news magazine, and you'll see me there on the big nights, too, for politics and such. So why did she leave? Well, to discuss this and give us some perspective on the matter, senior editor of Mediaite.com, Rachel Stockman, joins me on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, you wrote an exclusive article detailing the offer Fox News offered Megyn Kelly of $100 million for four years. That's approximately $25 million a year, which is outstanding. Uh, Why did they feel, why did Fox News feel that she was worth the money, and how does this move impact the industry? Uh, Well, obviously, this was a huge, huge dollar amount. Um, And again, Fox, you know, they wanted their star power, as you called her. She was a ratings queen in that 9 p.m. hour. They wanted to keep her. But ultimately, she said uh, when she made the announcement on her show, and uh, it's come out in other forms as well, that she ultimately, you know, did this because she wanted to be with her children. Um, And, you know, whether this was a smart move or not, I'm not sure uh, in terms of her career. Uh, certainly, I-, I can tell you that she was offered less at NBC News uh, than she was offered at Fox. I'm sure it was no small amount, but Fox was definitely in there trying to get uh, Megyn Kelly to stay, and it just didn't work. 
Is any one anchor TV personality, at least in news, worth $25 million a year? <laughs> well, that is a good question. Um, uh, you know, I don't think so, but uh, uh, clearly the networks do because uh, these folks bring in ad revenue. They they boost ratings. And to, to, to these networks like Fox, NBC, and ABC, and others that were all trying to get a, a piece of Megyn Kelly, she was worth that amount because, I mean, she, she broke, she, you know, made headlines throughout the election um, and she really became a media star. We talk about reporters uh, kind of being part of the story and reporting on the story. Well, Megyn Kelly throughout this year really became part of the story. Uh, she's a, undoubtedly a household name. Um, the question really now, I think, for media critics is whether this move to NBC was a smart move for her, for her career. And that's what I was just going to ask you. What are the pros and cons of the NBC, of NBC hiring her? How does she fit at NBC while they're currently number one? So they're not hiring her to become number one. They're already number one. Is there a bigger play here for NBC? Listen, I mean, NBC wanted a big name. Uh they, you know, they had a difficult time with Billy Bush earlier this year with the tape. Uh, you'll recall uh, where that tape was leaked from Access Hollywood. Uh, they wanted a big name. My question is, they've announced she's going to take over the third hour of the Today Show. and Which is the 9 a.m. hour. The 9 a.m. hour, yeah. And I, I, I don't know if it's going to work. I did a piece yesterday. Uh, she was on ABC Good Morning America. I read that. Yeah, about her new book. And the ratings crashed on her. You know, they didn't do well. And I don't know if women like her, to be honest with you. I I just don't know if she... You got to think about the audience that she had in Fox. Yeah, she was number one, but that's a conservative, uh, a lot of male dominated. Uh, it comes on at nine o'clock at night when everyone's done with the day. Coming on at nine a.m. Uh, when you're having when you're competing against a lot of fluff, to be honest, cooking show, you know, cooking segments and pop culture stuff. That doesn't seem to me uh, what Megan's good at. I could be wrong. I haven't seen her do it. She's very talented. She could do it very well. I just don't see that as her bread and butter. Uh, there's some pros and cons that I, I outlined here uh, for Megyn Kelly uh, in regards to her moving to NBC. So for the pros, you know, I feel like she's going to be a role model for women in the media industry. I mean, you're talking about equal pay, which is something that a lot of women have uh, complained about. They're not getting paid as, men, as much as the men. This is something that's starting to also happen in TV and films with Felicity Jones and Rogue One and Jennifer Lawrence. Um, there's also, I feel like NBC also needs the face of the Republican viewpoint. And I think they got that from her. Obviously the star power, it weakens Fox news on some of the cons chemistry. This is always an issue. It's always an issue, especially with big personalities. Uh, it's disrupting the balance at NBC news. They're number one. Um, she's unproven in daytime and in evening. Uh, there's that speculation that you brought up in your article regarding uh, GMA and that ratings dip minute by minute, which I thought was really interesting because if you have a show on Fox News in the evening, a big talk show that was on Fox broadcast, and that she didn't hit a grand slam with that, and your GMA numbers were low in the morning, mm -hmm. I mean, oh my God, there's so many questions now. Yeah, no, it leaves up a lot of questions. Uh, is it going to work for her? Again, personally, 
it was a great decision for her. She gets an earlier hour. She gets to be home. She has young kids. She has three young kids. It's just unclear if, if her brand will translate to that morning audience, which is so female-dominated. I guess only time will tell. Rachel Stockman, senior editor of Mediate.com, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. If you like watching animated movies with your kids, then 2016 must have been paradise for you. It was nothing short of a renaissance for animated films, and one of the highlights was Disney's Zootopia. This is Priority One. Pops, parking duty. <laughs> Sir, I'm not just some token bunny. You strike out, you resign. Deal. AFI selected it as one of its top 10 movies of 2016. It won Best Animated Film at the Critics' Choice Awards, and it's already been nominated for a Golden Globe. I'm sure the Oscars will follow. Joining me to discuss the humor, magic, and creative process of the film is director Rich Moore and producer Clark Spencer. Gentlemen, an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a real privilege. Thank you. So, first of all, let's let's start uh, talking a little bit about uh, Zootopia and how this project came together. Sure, yeah. So, this is Clark um, Spencer talking first. And uh, so, the idea actually came from, originally, the very basis of the idea came from Byron Howard, who co-directed with Rich Moore on the project. Um, Byron's not on the phone with us. Unfortunately, he's sick. He's back in L.A., so he couldn't be here in New York with us. Otherwise, he'd be here also to, to tell you this. And he really came off of directing the film Tangled and wanted to do a love letter to some of those great old Disney classic talking animal films like Wind in the Willows and Robin Hood, the anthropomorphic animals that walk around up on two legs and wear clothes, uh, and that's where it started. But as it evolved, we started to think about, well, what should the story actually be about? And it was through um, a lot of conversation and, and an incredible trip to Africa where we were up close with the animals where we started to talk about the fact that predators and prey are two different types of animals. They have to figure out how to coexist in this environment on the African savanna. And it really drew us to say, we could make this movie be about something. It could actually be about bias. And that's when we really got excited about where this movie could head story-wise. And it really started to take off. And Rich Moore joined about two years before the project um, concluded, right as we were really making a big shift in the story. And we needed a new set of eyes to be on working with Byron. And we also needed um, just uh, people power, if you will, because we're making a big story shift. And that's when and I'll let Rich yeah. go for a second. Rich, I have to be frank with you. You did one of my favorite animated movies of the last 10 years, Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, thank it you. It hit some major nostalgia buttons in me. Uh, what did you bring to Zootopia as a director and a creative mind? Well, um, I think that, that Byron and um, one of our screenwriters, um, Jared Bush, had done a, a great job of, of kind of creating this world, you know, of Zootopia, the whole idea of a, a, uh, a city that was built for animals by animals. Um, and, um, and it, it was, it was ripe for, you know, this, um, this, uh, this great theme that Clark was talking about. And, um, my my background was from um, TV animation originally, um, and I worked on on The Simpsons and and Futurama, which were were shows that that really you know um, 
their stock and trade was was social satire, you know, right. and and we would you know say a lot in animation about the world that we live in uh, through these you know characters of animated characters, but who who had a lot of um, had a lot of basis in reality. They're very relatable, you know, and um, and and safe to kind of tell these stories, you know, because um, they weren't real human beings, you know, and and we we were able to say a lot about uh, American society as a whole and just the world, you know, with with these characters. And this was the same type of thing we wanted to do with Zootopia. And um, I, I had a lot of experience um, in doing that in animation. Um, and we brought in also the screenwriter from Wreck-It Ralph, who, who I started working with in 2009. His name's Phil Johnston. And he and, and Jared are working together um, just with, with Phil's kind of character background of how mm-hmm. he can really write to fantastic characters the two of them and, and kind of the world building that Jared had done um, crafted this, this great, great script. And, um, and there's a fine line between um, kind of telling a story that has a, a great message at its core and message movies, you know, and I'm someone I, I hate being preached to, in the <laughs> you know, I, I hate, I hate when a movie talks down to me and tells me how, how I should live and how I should think. Um, but I do like movies and entertainment that, that makes me think, you know, and, uh, presents an idea and examines it. And I walk away from it, um, really thinking about, Hmm, you know, I've, how does that make me feel? You know, when, when are times that, that I've kind of been in that character's shoes and, and felt that way? And those are the kinds of things that I like to make also in this medium. You've, you've said before that at its core, Zootopia is a buddy movie, but it's also that much more. Uh, from what I saw, this was a movie that if you kind of just start peeling the layers, it's about breaking glass ceilings. It's about gender biases uh, in society today. And those were reflected there. And I love that because it's much mm-hmm. more socially substantial, uh, at least for us adults. But I wanted to ask you also about kids. Because this mm-hmm. is, as much as it is a kids' movie, it's an adult movie, I feel like the target audience here is kids. And correct me if I'm wrong. But will they get these layers that people like you and, and the team? Uh, mm-hmm. add to this? Well, I think, um, yes, I, I think they do, or maybe they don't, they don't apply it to, um, a lens that adults do where, you know, having more experience in this world, we can kind of look at a story like this and, and say, Oh, okay. I see what they're, um, I, I see what they're trying to say. You know, I, I can see the, uh, I can recognize the allegory, you know, to our own world, but much in the same way, um, I think fables, you know, like Aesop's fables, you know, uh, are so great at of like taking a human condition and then, you know, um, casting it with characters that, that are, uh, easy for not only adults, but then especially children to kind of understand, you know, that I, I loved those stories when I was a kid. Um, you know, and, 
and I wasn't looking at the metaphor of like, well, what does the tortoise mean? What does the hare <laughs> right. mean? You know, it, to me, it was like it's a great story about a you know a a slow and steady turtle, you know, and a rabbit that thought that it was you know better than the turtle, who ended up you know being kind of shot down by his own hubris, you know, but, but it, it really taught a lesson to me, you know, and, and I wasn't seeing the kind of real world implications, but, but it was something that I was later able to apply, you know, um, going on in life, you know, and I think that's what, what these movies are, are, are good at doing of kind of preparing children for the world, you know, and, right. And being able to recognize, oh, I see that I'm in a Zootopia type situation right now, you know, and right. hopefully that's that's what it, it will do down the line for kids who, who see the film. Clark, you're the producer of the film. What do you think it is about anthropomorphic films that people just love so much? What do you think is the core appeal that this just happens to work? Well, I think it's interesting because you have to figure out why you want to tell the story with anthropomorphic animals. And I think when the idea first got started and we started talking about this concept of bias, it felt like doing it in a way that would be the most relatable for humans would make sense. So having characters that are walking up on two is a big piece of that, but it also allows us to create an incredible, fantastical world. And I think that was one of the things I loved about coming on to this project when Byron and Jared in the beginning and Rich and Phil as they came on, they had to think about, well, what would the world be like if animals actually created it? So it creates a whole other layer to the storytelling where we get to see that the trains have to have doors of different sizes or that the staircases have to accommodate an elephant and a small mouse. We get to have that kind of fun too. And I think really that's one of the great pieces of animation that we get to do, which is create worlds that nobody's seen before, hopefully tell a story that's very relatable at the same time, provide comedy, but it's creating that world that's amazing. And I think that's why it was fun to do this as a, as a anthropomorphic film, because had we just set it as animals in a savanna, we would have seen the beautiful savanna, but we would have not had the cleverness of a world that has a tundra area and a rainforest district and a, and a desert <laughs> all next to each other. Uh, Rich, how do you balance the humor for adults and kids at the same time? Because I feel like that is probably one of the most difficult things for any director and any writer and any team to get right. Well, that's a really, really good question. And I wish I had like a, a scientific <laughs> answer, you know, to, to give you. But um, it's just, it, it really comes with experience of, of working with um uh, films and, and shows like this, um, and, and just knowing that, well, this is a scene that's about, you know, we're, we're trying to get this point across in the scene, and uh, this is the mood that we're trying to uh, create at, at the moment. Um, and, and then it, that becomes kind of the barometer of, like, how funny it should be, uh, how serious it should be, and, you know, because there's nothing worse than, you know, if you're trying to get a serious moment across in a scene, you know, um, that if a joke undercuts it or vice versa, you know, and sometimes knowing when to come in with humor, you know, to, to punctuate uh, a, a beat in a scene, you know, that can get the the point across even stronger. So, um 
This is just my verbose way of saying there, there's no exact <laughs> science to it, you know, that, um, <laughs> that, that it just, it kind of comes with trial and error, right. you know, and, and having done it for a while and, and, you know, growing up in a, a family that, that knew, you know, the value of humor and in, in how to leaven up a difficult situation or to, to get a point across. Right. Clark, this is a film that is full of creativity. I, I always wondered, what do you tap into to draw this amount of creative imagination? I mean, you have roller skating cars, domino <laughs> effect buildings. There's so much here. Well, I think that, and Rich always says this is true, I think animation is one of the most collaborative mediums out there today. Mm-hmm. Where us on these movies and everybody gets to have an impact at the end of the day the directors rich and byron have to have the vision and they have to direct the team or it'll be just chaos but everybody gets to bring something to the table so it starts obviously with your directors and your screenwriters putting out a great screenplay and then the story artists come in and they start building on those ideas and see where their brains can take a certain scene and then the editors get involved and then the layout artists come in and they think about how you might recraft the scene in terms of where that camera is then the animators ultimately come in and they have ideas from an acting standpoint and you have your actors also so you have so many different layers of teams of people coming in who are providing ideas. And it, it's a, it is a little bit of a science to make sure that there aren't so many ideas that you're losing the story point. It's very important to be tracking the story. But if a great new idea comes in, if someone says, well, what if the, if the Judy character actually puts her feet into two cars and she's kind of skating through? Or what if she one of the buildings gets knocked and it starts to become a domino effect and we look inside and we see a little mouse and <laughs> the mouse is exercising and we see the water bottle go by? That's multiple ideas or multiple people coming up with those kinds of scenes, which is what makes it such a fun medium to get to work in. How did you get Shakira to say to, uh, to, to do this film? She rarely does any soundtracks for films or something like that. What was the ask uh, and how was that uh, conversation? Well, absolutely. She's been very, very selective about um, the types of, of things that she works on. Um, and. I'm going to go to Clark and say, when was it that she first came in? I guess it would have been about maybe 2014, 2014. And um, she came in, and uh, because we knew that that we wanted... an anthem, you know, for the city. We we wanted. And she knows I, how to do anthems, World Cup anthems. She does, <laughs> you know, and loved around the world for yeah. her anthem. And uh, we wanted, you know, this character Gazelle to kind of represent the, the the heart and and just kind of the soul of of what um, the creed of the credo of the city. Um, and uh, so Shakira was the first person that we thought of. And um, she, uh, uh, our, our vice president of music, Tom McDougall, um, has a relationship with her. And she, uh, she came in with Tom, and we pitched the story to uh, Shakira and um, talked about the character of Gazelle and what she represented in, in Judy's life. And um, Shakira said, wow, this really sounds awesome awesome and i'm sure that you guys have lots of people that you're talking to to and (laughs) and want to meet with but i am so into this and um i hope you will please keep me in mind as you go through your selection process 
and she actually started to get up to leave, and we're like, "No, Shakira, you're you're kind of you're it, you know. It's like you are our one person. You are the you're one person. Plan A, B, C, and D. B, C, all the way to Z. Z you know. Um, and we kind of shook hands right there, and it was one of the quickest deals made in Hollywood history. I think that's, so, um, that's such a great story. And, and a, a treat and a delight to work with. I mean, I really, really enjoyed our time that we spent with her. We recorded her in Barcelona um, at her home and just uh, an experience I'll never, ever forget. All right, last question. 2016 was bad in many ways, but one of the few things I feel it got right was in its animated offering. This has got to be one of the greatest years for animated films. What do you think contributed to this new renaissance of film animation this year? Well, um, this is Rich. Um, I I think that we got here because we have a lot of filmmakers, a lot of animators, a lot of artists that really are passionate about the medium of animation, myself and Clark included, and our, our leader, John Lasseter, you know, who... This is a man that lives, breathes, and sleeps animation. You know, it, it is the medium that, that he was meant to work in. And I think there are a lot of us like John, you know, that, that absolutely, you know, love working with this art form. And, um, and not just in CG animation, you know. And like you say, I mean, this has been... A fantastic year, and the fact that there are 2D traditional hand-drawn features and um, several um, stop-motion features, um, as well as uh, the modern-day CG animation features. You know, people working in these mediums that they love and that they care about, and um, I'm just so proud to kind of be part of this community that that um, cares so much about this art form, you know, the, and these films, they take a long time to make like Zootopia. It was five years kind of in the development and the production of, of making this thing. And, and when, you know, they take that long and, and they are such a challenge to put together. It's like, you really want to spend that time to, to say something important, I believe, you know, um, because it's not like a live action movie where you can make it in a year and a half or two years and it's, and you're on to the next one. It's like, these are, you know, half a decade of your life, you know, um, in making one of these things. And when, when you start to, you know, get older and realize that you can count how many you can probably do before you're at the end of the line, it's like, you want to make those count, I think. And, um, we we have a community that's grown up on this medium, you know, and who loves this medium. And, and, and these are people that have a lot of, you know, big ideas and, and things to say. And um, I'm just thrilled and proud to be a part of that community right now. Rich Moore, Clark Spencer, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. I really appreciate your insights. And uh, for everybody that hasn't seen Zootopia yet, Go check it out. One of the best movies, animated or not animated, of 2016. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. Now I'm not a
Well, welcome back. And joining me today is the founder of latinareview.com, Kelvin Chavez. Kelvin, how long do I know you, man? <laughs> long enough. What, 10 <laughs> years, maybe? I mean, you know, you know, you know me since my kids were small, dude. And now they're like, they're in fucking no, listen, college. The, the thing about you is that every time I see you, I'm reminded of how older we're getting because every time I see your kids, man, I'm just like, I remember them being little kids. How is it possible that they're men now? They're men, man. One of them is graduating college this year and the other one next year. And then my daughter goes to college the following year. I'm like, it's freaking nuts. Yeah. And we've been in this business for quite some time because when you founded latinoreview.com, uh, it's been an, it's been an interesting sort of uh, – transition in era that where movie websites are at now how do you see things differently from when you started latinareview.com to now how you see the rest of movie websites and how studios handle them today oh my god the, the list is long and distinguished well i started what 15 years ago 2000 2001 and back then was different between now and then is is studios tend to cater more to the corporate sites right usually like back in the days when i started you know they were like hey listen we would like to we would like for you to debut this picture this poster so they controlled you to a certain extent yeah so no no so they were what they wanted to work with you in that sense you know oh, you know we want you to debut this we want you to debut the trailer you know tal y tal and the next thing you know now it's like you know Forget you. We're going to give the images to, you know, USA Today, uh, Yahoo Entertainment Weekly, and then we're going to give the trailers to Apple Trailers, or we're going to give the, we're going to give it to Yahoo. Or what, now what changed? All that, 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 that sort of the exclusivity that we used to get back then. Now they're giving it to the big, bigger ups. Now every trailer doesn't, doesn't even go on Apple. Or doesn't go on Yahoo now. Now notice that, yeah, it goes to YouTube. If you notice that, it go, everything goes to YouTube. Back then, just lately, they've been doing that. You know, I think the last two three years, they've been putting all the trailers on YouTube. Everything be, prior to that was either MSN or Yahoo or Apple. So, if you want to create a movie website, let's say. I mean, you're one of the godfathers of the uh, of the web industry when it comes to movies. Uh, if somebody today was influenced by you and said, you know what, I want to start a movie website. I want to do scoops. I want to do all this stuff. What are the recommendations? Should they even do it? I mean, is this is this a moment in, in, in time to actually even think about doing a movie website? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't knock anybody's dream. Look, between you, I mean... I'm, I would say yes, all right? Yes, because uh, my son and I have been talking about that as well. And, you know, his, he, he wants to do his own stuff. And, and all I can tell anybody out there who wants to do it is a lot of dedication to it, like literally a lot, and, and, and just work your ass every single day off. Like put up, you know, content, put up, you know, original content, um, and that's why I was talking to a friend of mine right now, like what's going to be the difference between this site and let's say something like, uh, you know, like, like, like a Latino review, um, would be like original content, you know, not regurgitated stories. You know what I mean? Like 
obviously you have to put some regurgitated stories because, you know, for example, if uh, Jack Rico is in the next Spider-Man 2, you have to put, <laughs> you know, you have to put that up. You know right. what I mean? If there's a, a, a second trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming, you have to put that up. So, yeah, it, it is. You have to do certain regurgitated news and just, you know, keep pushing your content on all these social media platforms, especially if you have a social media following and then you have people who back you up. Like uh, if I wanted to do something and I have, you know, you and I know that I have a producer friends and director friends and some big top influencers who follow me and and they will retweet whatever I put up. You know what I mean? So that's key there. I think if that's, anybody, that helps. yeah, that helps. I think if you, you know, because it depends on the type of movie website you want to do. I think you made your meat and potatoes off of the scoop and the script reviews. And yeah. uh, I remember that's when you came sort of into light. It's like, how is this guy getting all these movie <laughs> scoops when the Hollywood Report? I remember, I think Variety wanted to like destroy you at one point, man, because yeah. Axis Hollywood was like Entertainment Tonight. I was like, who is my? I was proud because you were a Latino, you know, yeah, as no, opposed I mean, to just any other, uh, you know, white American kid uh, who loved movies. It it allowed uh, you allowed Latinos to sort of say, "Hey, we also belong in this industry, and we can also work at the highest levels where major CEOs of these movie studio companies have to now listen to the Latino voice uh, within their industry." So I thought that was pretty cool, man. No, yeah, I mean, and, and my motivation look, I I came from Wall Street. I used to work in Wall Street, and then you know I was unhappy with. You know, Wall Street back then, you know, the dot-com era and stuff like that. So, and and it started off as a hobby. And then it just, you know, it kept growing and growing and growing. And then there was, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a there was a bi-monthly magazine. I didn't even know there were them magazines existed. It was a bi-monthly <laughs> magazine called Urban Latino. I don't of know if course. you remember. Of course, dude. Remember if that? you were a New York Latino, <laughs> you I mean, knew about that, that magazine. You, you were going to the parties. Yeah, I used to go to the parties for them. I used you to know, go to the... Time they, every time that they had a, a new uh, cover, they had a party. Of course, man. You know, so I used to go to those and I met, I guess, the owner or the guy who ran it. or well, I think his name was Rodrigo or something like yeah. that. And... And I was talking to him about, you know, Latino Review back then, and we were talking about it, and and I wanted to see if we can, you know, collaborate, work together, you know? And I think he said something that, like, in a negative way, and uh, I think that, 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 like, motivated me to do more. Then so you then, said, I'm going to do my own stuff. And I said, you know what? Okay, I hear, I, hear, I hear what you're saying, but you know what? You're wrong. And now, <laughs> now, and now <laughs> look where you're at now, you know, like, where are you now and where am I at now? You know, and so, so that that type of you know talking down to you was my motivation to say, you know what, you're wrong. You know, and so I've always was, said that failure is something extremely necessary yeah, learned, for character learned. building. Yeah, and then and then also was, you know, what's missing, and I'm trying to work on this right now as we speak in the future and on my endeavor when I announce it later. Would it be? I used to go to these other sites that I loved, loved back then, where they used to have test screening reviews. And then what you just brought up right now, script reviews. When we used to do them, but then it got a little bit out of hand where, you know, we were getting 
pursued by lawyers because they wanted to know whether or not we had the the actual copy of the script <laughs> as opposed to have it. So, you know, we couldn't, we scaled down on that. Yo, but dude, now, did I ever tell you the story of my Conan script review? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, You oh, remember that one? The script review stuff. Oh, oh my God, dude. It was one of those things where a friend of mine was auditioning as a character actor in the film. And he calls me up and he's like, yo, I have the Conan script in my hands that they gave me so I can memorize it. Do you want it? And, you know, I was very naive back then, man. That's why I give you guys a lot of credit, man. Yeah. I, I'm Mr. TV, man. So I wasn't, you know, into the digital underground. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were, you were into the when he was on television. Yeah, man. So um, I remember he gave it to me and I said, well, what do I do with this? So I had called my webmaster, uh, Gino. Uh, you and I, yeah, yeah. I, I got him from you, actually. Yeah, yeah. And Gino said, yo, make sure that you put uh, the Showbiz Cafe emblem on it the logo <laughs> i said okay cool so he took every page and he put showbiz cafe on it and then i posted it oh my god the backlash i got and it wasn't because i posted it it was because i was so stupid to put the showbiz cafe logo because now they know exactly where they got it from yeah, yeah. and i said oh so instead of me thinking well i gotta put the logo on because then somebody might just rip it off and say that they found it, I wasn't thinking that they were going to come after me. And dude, that same day, the producers, lawyers, the studios were like, holy smack, what are you doing with this? You need to take this off now. We're sending lawyers out. And dude, I'm very sensitive about that stuff. I don't know how you've done it throughout the years, but I get freaked out when a lawyer calls me. No, yeah, I mean, look, I've gotten, I think, two major law lawyers coming after us for and a lot of it dude it, it's it's they're trying to be bullies uh one of those was was a script you know uh, i think we did a script review for batman begins and i think the nolan team or warner brothers wanted to know whether or not we had it in hand Damn, I, remember fox, nolan. <laughs> I remember fox came after us for a, a, a predators review a Predators review. Was this the Robert oh, Rodriguez Predators? Yeah, the Robert Rodriguez one. They came after us because, um, you know, it was sort of negative. And then doing these kind of stuff, to be honest, it, it works and it doesn't work. Like, it benefited us because, you know, Robert Rodriguez himself or his his crew, you know, got in touch with us and said, hey, listen, you know, can you, like, take it down? And in return, you know, we, we can work something out. And, and I ended up going to the set. And visiting the set for Jesus, Predator. Man. And, and oh, I met Robert and we sat down, we spoke and blah, blah, blah. And there are other times where some people learn from it and some people actually change shit on it because of the review. And that's what I liked about it. Like, for example, I went to Comic-Con. Uh, when when, when was this? Man, when I, the first Iron Man came out. I've been going to Comic-Con for 10 years. But I remember one year, James uh, John Favreau was you know, doing the- Yeah, DJ John Wasn't Favreau. Wasn't he DJing at your party? Yeah, he was DJing one of the parties that we threw. <laughs> and um, the next thing you know, he was like, oh, you're from Latino Arena? I said, yeah. I said, you know what? We're from Queens, Flushing, Flushing New York, blah, blah, blah. You know, so then the next thing he goes, you know what? Your site is very important because even though you do script reviews, we do too, we, they, we do, they're in early stages. So when you write something, we look at it, we read it, and we're like, okay, you know what? 
he makes sort of sense. Dude, it's like and a they, poll. It's, yeah, it's like, like they're getting an early sort of poll whether yeah. they should change something. You know what? You're absolutely right, dude. I think they need guys like you to kind of get an early polling. It's like free marketing. Also. Yeah, yeah. So that was one. And then the other one was uh, Comic-Con again, you know, because you meet these talents in Comic-Con when you're doing the interview. And it was for Battle LA. I so remember we that. Did a script, we, we did a script review for that. And the director then, you know, we were walking and he was like, you know what? We took what you said on the script review. And, he, and it was a positive one. And he was like, you know, we took you into consideration and we actually changed the way the Latino or the Latina, whichever one, changed the way it was. Because we had mentioned it, saying that this is not how Puerto Ricans are portrayed. Yeah, because that and Michelle Rodriguez was in I that movie. I think it movie. was Michelle Rodriguez's character. So he said, he told me that they changed that because of the script review. So it does benefit. And it doesn't benefit when you get the lawyers after you. Changing and, topics really quick, uh, Kelvin. Uh, yeah. I'm really curious in knowing what films from 2016 you feel that didn't get the praise that you probably felt. I know that one of the films you and I had talked about that you were pretty high on was Patriot's Day. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I like Patriot's Day. I saw it twice. That's how good it was. Damn. Uh. Why do you think it hasn't gotten any love? The movie came out December 21st. I know it has a major rollout, I think January 17th or something like that. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Why do you like this movie so much? And why is it that no one's really been talking about it? I mean, you talk about the award seasons, uh, the local regional uh, film uh, dinners. Uh, no one's Look. talking about Patriot's Day. Did you see Patriot's Day? I did because of you. Oh. Because the yeah, thing yeah. is, now, uh, now uh, no, no. The, the reason I liked it the way it wasn't more obviously it was about you know um, the Boston Marathon bombing. But what I liked about it, it, it wasn't is the fact that they really, even though it was about the terrorists, they didn't really focus on them as much. It was more about I guess the love of the people coming together and and working to get these two guys out, you know, to get these two guys. What I liked about it is that if you look at this film as a thriller genre, just straight up yeah. a thriller genre, an action thriller genre, it's one of the better ones to come out in, in quite some time. I mean, you look at thrillers mostly and they don't have this level of excitement. And I think that's mostly because of Peter Berg. The other thing, uh, misconception about this film, this is not a Mark Wahlberg film. No, no. Mark Wahlberg is might as well be a secondary supporting actor here. He barely comes out in the film, and when I say he barely comes out, he doesn't have any substantial role. Um, yeah, because every, I think everyone has equal time. That's yes, why it's, it's more of an ensemble know, role, right? It's an ensemble role. It's like everyone has equal time. It's not, it's not like he dominates the entire movie. Exactly, and that's what I thought was really interesting about Patriot's Day. You leave there with a different sense of what happened in Boston. Uh, you're more attached to it, and it, you know you start seeing the social ramifications of what that what happened in Boston means today. So I, I thought Patriot's Day was excellent. A movie that I particularly thought uh, was going to be one of the big players in the award seasons was Michael Keaton's The Founder. Did you get a chance to see that film about the McDonald's? No, I've been in, I've been invited to that stuff so many times, but I was like, I just don't have the time to see it. See, so see, I got a screener, 
And yeah. this was one of the top films I wanted to see. Uh, I was on the Today Show around the summer, and this movie was supposed to come out in the summer. Yeah, I remember that. And I had Why talked about back? yeah, and I had talked about how this movie was going to be in the game come September, October, November. Uh, and then they changed it to January. And I said, oh, you know what? It might just be doomed right there. So I had a chance to see it. And here's the only thing I'm going to say. I'm not going to say too much about the film. I'm going to allow people to see it first. But the problem about the film that I got, it was not Michael Keaton. It was not anything. It was just it's a mean movie, man. It's a movie after, Do- after Donald Trump won November 8th. I noticed that this movie, what it says is that if you're a cutthroat, mean person, if you're cruel to the people, if you... <laughs> Um, betray them, backstab them, then you win. Because that's the story uh, of this gentleman who literally took the franchise of the McDonald's brothers and created uh, this bigger company and just little swindled them off of their company because they weren't visionaries or big thinkers and he screwed them over, man. And I, I said, how do you end a film like that and feel great about it? It's not inspirational. It's not hopeful. Um... It's just a terrible story of how to do somebody wrong. Yes, in the Donald Trump era, it's about winning, and this movie's about winning. But I think there's an ethical, moral sort of fiber that you have to kind of walk on to know how you won. You don't want to teach your kids. I mean, you you got how many kids? Three? Three, yeah. Two boys, a girl. Uh, Yeah. You can't be teaching them, hey, you got to win no matter what. Because I think there's a whole faction of people that says, look— how you win is important. And so that's the issue I had with the founder. Um, but I think people should probably see it on their own. And, and No, yeah. I mean, I've been trying to see it. I've been trying to see it. But, you know, I just haven't had the time. I mean, I, I thought the trailer looked interesting. And it shows you that he, he like, he screwed him up. You know, he screwed him over on the trailer. It's, it says pretty Majorly. much. Majorly. Know, Majorly. Screwed him up and. He goes, you think you own this friend? He goes, uh, whatever. It was it was interesting. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. You know what I got to see the other day, man, that I haven't – man, I can't believe this was one of the major movies I didn't see last year, Suicide Squad. I just saw it like two weeks ago. <laughs> Yo, dude, I never thought that this movie was going to be as bad as everybody else said it was. <laughs> what the hell happened with Suicide Squad? I don't know, man. I, I asked myself the same thing. Same thing. And in a previous podcast when I was on, you know, I had just finished seeing the film and I was I was being honest with him. I said, listen, I think this is like the only DC or any comic book film that I knocked out on. I like literally dozed off. What? Yeah. And I was like and I and I called it out and everybody was like retweeting it, retweeting. I said, yo, suicide was caca. (laughs) It was straight up fucking garbage, you know. But then I saw it again with with my with my kids, my boys, and I'm like, you know what? There, it was all right. It was just like we were going, like you and I behind before we did this podcast. You and I were talking about how they, how I went to see it, and I was excited because I thought I was going to see more of the Joker because the trailer tells you that. Dude, we have to have also, uh, like, right after Suicide, we're going to talk a little bit about these fake trailers that they're doing, how they're inserting uh, scenes from movies that really uh, don't come out in the the film itself. But not only that, the fact that I thought this movie, because it's about villains, you were going to see some R-rated type of level violence. And what we got was this 
13-year-old, you know, like violence for, you know, because I think the movie's PG-13. Yeah, yeah. But Will Smith was the quote-unquote star of this film, and he barely shown as much as he should have because uh, Margot Robbie really became the, the star. Yeah. And by the way, I don't think she was that great. The, the, the hyperbolic uh, judgments on her as the greatest thing that they're now doing a sequel. I was like, look, she was really good, but man, I don't know about a sequel. That whole movie was so underwhelming, so underachieving that I'm kind of scared about the justice league. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, I don't know the justice league, you know, who knows, you know, with, with, I think Zack Snyder might have learned from all the backlash that he got from Batman versus Superman. You know, that he says, okay, you know what? This is what we did wrong. We can correct it here. And hopefully he, he does do that. And it sort of showed, I don't know if you saw it, but that Comic-Con trailer for Justice League. Yeah. I thought it was fucking awesome. That looked great. It looked great. But then again, <laughs> it's the trailer that lies to us. And speaking of uh, trailers, <laughs> you and I had this deep conversation on the on the phone of uh, back in December yeah. about... Yeah, yeah how upset we were that in Rogue One, there was this scene of the spaceship that was right in the face. Yeah, the TIE fighter. Uh, exactly, right in front of the face of Felicity Jones. And when we saw the movie, there was this climactic scene where she's on a bridge, she has to turn off the controls. There was no uh, spaceship fighter there. There was no jet that was about to kill her. And I was like, what? Yo, this is some sort of fraudulent trailer. And I need to call out studios on this because studios, you cannot put in images in your trailer that are not going to be in the movie. And I'll tell you why. And, 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 and chip in as well, Kelvin. Yeah, to sure. me, one of the big issues is you get excited about the trailer. Yes. And you get excited because of certain scenes because you want to see what the overall context is within the film. Uh, Take example, Passengers. There was a scene in Passengers in the trailer that said, we weren't supposed to wake up at this time, and it's because of a particular reason. That, to me, was the premise that reeled me in. And when I went to go see the movie, I just they just woke up, but there was no reasoning behind it. And I said, wow, you guys not only were a fraudulent trailer, you kind of killed the movie for me, and then the movie kind of died. And I don't think anyone's really talking about that. Yeah, see, I, I mean, unlike you, I, I haven't seen Passengers. So, you know, you and I and spoke don't. about... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I spoke about, like, you know, back in December, about these trailers, like, going back to um, Suicide Squad, you know, and I did this on the previous podcast that I was on. You know, I wanted to see Suicide Squad because I thought the Joker was going to be there and there was some entanglement between him and Batman. And he was hardly in the film. You know, He was, he like was dispersed throughout the film. It wasn't like I, I, everybody talks about these 10 minutes, but the 10 minutes were in a row. It was like 10 minutes dispersed within this two hour film. Yeah. I mean, like I was like, what the hell? And then obviously, you know, uh, when I when I announced on a team review back then um, about Rogue One being reshot and half of the movie was going to be done. You know, people didn't believe me. People, no, it's a lie. So, you know, obviously, you know, studios are going to say, are going to do the spin mode. You know what I mean? Um, and obviously you can tell that something went wrong 
or they've changed it a lot when you go actually see the film, even though the film was good, you know, but you can tell that they cut a lot of shit out of it, you know? And then I was talking to a colleague of mine saying that, you know, he had heard what I had said and think about it like this. And I don't know if you know this, Jack, but studios get the first cut of the film, I think, or whatever. And they give it to a company to say, here's a trailer, cut it all. I mean, here's a thing, cut it all up for TV spots, this, this, and this and that. So then I guess when that happened, you know, it was already, they were doing the other, you know, the, they were filming the other scenes that ended up making the cut and the stuff that the company got to cut the trailer or cut the TV spots. They never got anything new. But this is so like they, borderline so they had criminal, to work, man. I guess, so they had to work with what this, I guess the studio gave them that was old. You know what I mean? So, But Kelvin, look at it like this, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say you own a store and I'm walking into that store to buy, I don't know, a pair of shorts or whatever. And according to the ad, it's on sale for, you know, 20 bucks instead of 40. And I walk in yeah. and you tell me, no, 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 it's not... It's not like that. It's it's regular price. I said, but your ad isn't. No, don't listen to the ad. I'm <laughs> telling you what the price is. I just feel like I got. I wasted my time coming into your store. I feel like I got gypped to a certain extent. I'm mad at you. So why is it any different when? Because there's money involved. You know what I'm saying? Why is it any yeah, different yeah. when there's a trailer, which is an ad, and you're walking into that theater store, and somebody's not giving you what the ad said? That's fraudulent. That's criminal to a certain extent. I mean, not worth the not worthy of jail time, but um, no, it, yeah, exactly. And and that's what I had said before. I mean, like, look, not cool, studios. Not, it's not cool at all. And for example, Rogue One, you can <sighs> tell it was so a totally different, different movie. You know what I mean? Like the pictures, the, the first trailer that you saw. You know, there was uh, I took a bunch of screenshots where she actually, um, you know. Uh, Felicity Jones' character, uh, uh, Jenna Ursa, or Ursa, or whatever, she literally steals the Death Star plans and is running on the beach with them. <laughs> with, right. with uh, yeah, there's a picture of her holding the plans on her hand, running through the beach. And then, obviously, when you see the trailer, that nice climatic ending where the ATTs, you know, uh, are shooting at them, that was never shown. That was never shown. That was, that was never never. You didn't see her running in the beach with the plans along with Diego Luna. You didn't see that scene where um, the, the the antagonist, uh, uh, what's his name? I even forgot. Oh. I forgot his name. Kenrick. Kenrick, whatever his name. The uh-huh. guy who plays Kenrick. He talks to Vader and says, you know, the power and all that stuff. That all was taken out. There was just a lot of stuff that was literally taken out, you know. I'm going to talk to a director one of these days, and I'm just going to like flat out ask him, how is it that you guys get away? Because I feel like it's kind of new. I, I feel like yeah, it's I been mean, done I, before, I, but I feel it's like... It's new. It's not that it's new. Is that lately, and I, I said this before, lately you've been seeing it more and more. more it's become more prolific. More more. Like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I didn't see that. How come this wasn't in the And scene? it's subtle. It's like you yeah, notice yeah. it like after you leave the thing. It's like, hey, wait a minute. And I think that, you know, the studios are going to do whatever they have to do to get your to get ass. You. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's how it works. I but mean, it's I, so I, stupid, Kelvin, because if you made the scene for <laughs> the trailer, put it in the darn film. Yeah, and not only that, now, on this case with Row One, 
I've said before, I wonder if you're ever going to see uh, his real version, you know, like uh, Superman 2, where Richard Donner had his own version. And then finally, after all these years, you literally saw his cut of the uh, Superman 2. Because, you know, he filmed Superman 1 and 2 back to back. Yeah, I remember And that. he already had his cut for Superman 2. And then I guess they had some sort of fight and they didn't work out. And they got another director and he did it. That's different. a legendary story that people should yeah. definitely look at. It's on YouTube, actually. I think the way yeah. uh, the the whole thing is broken down. That whole thing happened, and then I then you see his cut, Richard yeah. Donner's cut. So let's see, and let's see if Suicide Squad, Rogue One, give us like different versions and cuts. But uh, hey, anything exciting for 2017 that you like? I, I I'm so excited about the Mummy with Tom Cruise. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't know about the Mummy. I'm, I'm more. I'm, I'm, Have you yeah. seen the trailer for the Mummy? Yeah, I've seen it. I, there's nothing. Tell too... me that trailer doesn't pump you up, man. It, sort of. I mean, it's a Mummy movie, you know. It's like no, mm. no. It's a Tom Cruise <laughs> action Mummy. movie. You know what? No. Regardless of what anybody says about Tom Cruise and his personal stuff, he's a he's a really good actor. You know, I, I go to the movies whenever he's on because he's. You know, He's the I, last remaining true movie star we have of this dying breed of movie stars. Like one thing that I feel like Hollywood has not been able to do right is create movie stars anymore. They don't know what to do. They they really don't know what to do. And I think we depend more on movie talent, movie headline names more than ever before. You know, uh, I I think we're. It's a weird transition we're going through, man. That whole MGM talent school of creating art. I mean, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, we're seeing more talent head over to uh, TV. Like, for example, there's a Big Little Liars on HBO. Dude, it's Shailene Woodley, Nicole Kidman, and Reese yeah. Witherspoon in one single TV show, not movie. It's and a series? It's a series. It's coming out on HBO uh, this 2017. I believe it's either this month or next month. And you're going, no wonder we're not seeing as many great movies and movie stars, you know, on uh, on film as we used to, because they're all heading out to TV. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the only the only 2017 movie, obviously, that I'm, who's not going to see it is Star Wars Episode Eight. There's Blade uh, Runner 2049. I'm excited yeah, about I mean, Harrison Ford doing of, that. A, I think there's a big. There was a there was an article that I read where they said that um, 2017 is going to be a huge year for. Um, comic book movies because you got so many you got okay you got logan justice league you Guardians, got the new spider-man logan, movie guardians yeah, logan, of the galaxy thor thor ragnarok Spider-Man, you know so you got wonder woman got wonder woman exactly and then justice and then you have league. the other yeah and then you have the other ones like uh oh and then you have batman lego the lego batman have, movie right yeah and then you have of course um kong alien you know well, uh, yeah 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 I mean, Kong Skull one. Island oh. is another reboot, which I don't know how many reboots of King Kong they're going to do, man. I, I know there's this shared universe now between yeah, the yeah. Godzilla movies and the Kong movies, so they can create that one epic battle. They're all taking the Marvel format, man. They're all doing individualized films so that they can get together in the last film. And I can't for the hell of me understand why they haven't done this with uh, Michael Myers... Freddy Krueger, you know, Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th. I, 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 I think they tried with, with Freddy Krueger and Jason, and that shit did not pan out. <laughs> you know what? Because they did it wrong, man. They did it yeah, wrong. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they're coming out with a Friday 13th this, this year. 
Are I think they? it's okay. actually like in October, like Friday the 13th, October or something okay. like that. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of films 2017 that I'm looking forward to. So obviously the big tempos, but then come November, this November and December of next year of this year. Now, 2017, they, those Oscar ones sneak up on you and you're like, Oh shit. You know, these are good. Yeah, you know. it's those like indie films that come out of nowhere last minute that get in major yeah, critical. Yeah, I mean, play. I don't know if you saw Lion, but Lion was great. Dude, Lion, Lion is so good on so many levels. Yeah, uh, it's a tearjerker film for anybody who hasn't seen it. This oh, is yeah. a film Bring that will make you cry uh, because it's about that last scene. I don't want to yeah, say yeah. too much about it, but that last yeah, yeah. scene was so moving and so touching. And then they yep. show like realistic film uh, off of the based movie version and when you yeah. see them together man you kind of just drown out in a pool of tears man yeah uh golden globes coming out this sunday i want you to ask uh, answer me this one question how the heck did deadpool manage to get into the award race i really like the movie and i happen to think within the genre of superheroes i think this is one of the better films ever made in terms of superhero films but how seriously can we take this film? I mean, it won a Critics' Choice Awards, nominated for two Golden Globes, just got nominated for a Writers Guild Award. Writers Guild, yeah, I was like, wow. will That's we see it at the Oscars? Uh, I was just literally talking about this last night with a friend of mine at the screening that I'll talk to you about in a minute. Split, and we he he called me and he said, "Yo, dude." They got nominated for the for the saga well, you know, for the writers guild. I was like, oh, they're taking really serious, you know, they're, they're taking this into serious consideration because that means that probably they'll be nominated for an Oscar. I oh think God, personally, I think writing wise, yeah. I mean, the, dude, the movie was good, and I've always said that a movie does to me the number one thing that I look in the movie is the script, the writing. Well, the writings are uh, out of hand. Yeah, the writing is 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 the, the main quotes. Those one liners he delivers throughout the film. I mean, dude, yeah. they're magic. They're, they're comic gold. Exactly, and it's all what's on the paper, right? He's delivering what's on the paper. So to me, that I hope I'm I'm really crossing my fingers that it does get nominated for an Oscar because that's one of the movies that did you know it, it is well written. Um, also, I was told by people that I know in LA like. Um, what's his name? Ryan Reynolds is doing the whole tour thing with the foreign Hollywood foreign press. Mm -hmm. and, and he was, you know, chiming them. And, and from what I was hearing yesterday was that they love him, you know, and that well, don't he's, be, he's a hard guy not yeah. to love, man. He's so and charming. Be, and like in real life. And don't be surprised that if he wins the golden globe for, Get for that, dude, no. Way. And it's going to be, I was like, Oh, she's going to be Ryan against Ryan. <laughs> Ryan versus Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Gosling versus Ryan Reynolds in uh, Best Actor for, what is it, a musical or comedy? It's a musical uh, or comedy. Uh, yeah. He's been talking a lot about on Twitter about trying to team up with Hugh Jackman for Wolverine and creating their own spinoff movie. Do yeah. you think a movie like that would get done? And if it gets done, do you think anybody would Wait. go see it? Oh, yeah. I would go see it. I mean, like... Again, you know, it's it, it all depends on like a lot of actors tell you. Look, look, this Ben Affleck guy, you know, saying that if the Batman script is not done correctly, he's not gonna do it. I, I, totally I admire agree. him for that. I applaud him for that. 
Yeah, and I, and I totally agree. Dude, it, it all depends on the screen. And every time that I go to an actor or any talent and I sit down with them and I talk to them and I say, you know, would you do this movie? And everyone says the same thing. It depends on the script. If I like the script, then I'll do it. Now, why yeah. is it, do you think, does DC, Warner Brothers, not have good writers? Why is it, why is the separation, the demarcation between quality between Marvel and DC so, so wide? Oh, because, how can I say, Marvel, what's missing with, with, uh, with, with DC in general is that they don't have a Kevin Feige. You know what I mean? But it can't be one guy, man. Or is it really well, one guy? It is. I mean, everybody. So, in, okay, everybody if you knows. took Kevin Feige and you put him in DC, it would be you, a different, you think so? Change that around. Because I think what he does is he literally follows it by the comic book. And in Warner Bros., for a DC, for example, you have corporate heads making the decision instead of one person. You know what I mean? And that's what's missing. And I think DC is trying to do that now with uh, that guy Johns, G.F. Johns. Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns is supposedly the Kevin Figure. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Is it, dude, that dude's majorly respected in the comic book industry, period. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, dude, he's a friend of mine. He gave me, uh, I went to the set for, you know, that that awesome blockbuster movie that he did, uh, Green Lantern. <laughs> but, uh, he and I have been friends, and he's cool. I mean, I, 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 he sent me comics uh, from his Green Lantern stuff. Like black That's all you had to say, dude. Jeff Johns and Green Lantern. You know, yeah, it's... He was, he was, you know, he was, he's a nice, kind guy, you know, very, you know, humble. And uh, he's done well on the TV side. I, I got to give it to him. You know, Arrow, The Flash, all that stuff, Supergirl, they've done very well TV-wise. So I think, you know, bringing him to the film stuff, let's see what he can do, you know. I, I, I He can probably pull it off. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Uh, and to just kind of finalize and uh, and recap this whole thing, uh, Oscars coming out January 24th, the nominations. Any surprises that you're expecting within the best picture category? And, Deadpool. Uh, best picture. Deadpool right there. Deadpool. Wow. Okay. So we're really having this conversation that Deadpool. <laughs> I said it right now. Deadpool, best picture, only because I think, I don't know, maybe you know this. You can nominate up to 10 films, right? You can nominate up to 10 films and you can minimum, I think, pick five according to this new thing. Like yeah. you, can, you, you can't pick two. Uh, I think it goes yeah, yeah. Between, so it's between five and five ten, but ten it's films. oscillating between those numbers. So it's between five and 10 films, right? Yeah. So I, I, I say the surprise for best movie would be Deadpool. Oh, my God. That... Dude, that would be not that it's going to win. Not that it's going right. to win because nobody's on the on the La La bandwagon, you and, know. And what that would mean for the Ryan Reynolds sort of career uh, would be incredible because I think this is one one guy that has tried so hard to become an A list and to have a movie that he carries, and it's just never really truly worked out for him. He's been very close. Uh, and this is a guy you you want to root for. I think everybody in the press really likes him. I think studios and casting directors really like him. But he hasn't found that film that kind of just encompasses every skill and talent that he has. And I think Deadpool has. So I think in terms of recognition, I think he's gotten it. 
But dude, yeah, I mean, you I mean, know, that's prestige, man. Oscars is prestige. And I just don't see this graphic, violent, very vulgar film, very raunchy, too. Um, yeah, and, and that's that why I think, I think it would, for me, it would surprise everybody be, because of that. Because it's a rated R film, uh, a lot of violence. And you know how the Hollywood, you know how the Oscar people are. They tend not to nominate, you know, those type of movies. Because if that was the case, Scarface would have won Best Movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, to me, that's my number one movie of all time is Scarface. Right, right. You know, but, uh, you know, I think that's the only, you know, thing that's going to hold that movie back from getting a nomination is because of the of the violence and stuff like that that it has. Well, with but, that said... Know, Ryan, Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, don't get me wrong, he's a good actor, great, and all that stuff, and he has done drama to get to a serious thing, and it hasn't worked out. You know what I mean? I think one of his... Did he do a, a serious movie with... Uh, oh, he's done several Rick? serious movies. Several, several, and they haven't panned out to, you know, this, and obviously something that's rated R, comedic, got him this uh, whole attention. You know what I mean? Kelvin, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. We covered a lot of stuff, and I think this 2017 is going to be an exciting year, man, from not only movies. I mean, I thought 2016 kind of came on strong. Uh, what, what's, okay, well, before you go, what what is your surprise thing for the Oscars? You know, I, I, I've seen them all, and I think all 10 movies that we all think are going to be picked might be picked, but here, if I had to choose one, yeah, like the like like the like the the one that everybody's like, nah, that 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 movie isn't. Re- I mean, we're talking about it, but it's not really going to be in the Oscars. Would be Hell or High Water. What's going to be the black sheep that makes it? That that one, Hell or High Water, because I think everybody's putting it in the long shots. If you had to do twenty films that could be best picture, I think Hell or High Water fits in. But if you put yeah, that I mean, film and I bump mean, off like- a prestige film off of the top ten. Man, we're talking about. I mean, you would have Deadpool in Hell or High Water. This is a different Oscars. This isn't about you know prestige. <laughs> this is about popularity. It's about what the what the fans say. Um, and I just don't think that Hell or High Water might make it, even though I think it has some really amazing things, which it will be uh, nominated for. For example, I think Jeff Bridges deserves a supporting actor nod. I think that the writing is excellent, and so I th- yeah, we might see in the best original screenplay. So. I think it might fit there. And that was an there. original screenplay, right? It wasn't adapted. It was an original one, right? I think it was an original one, yeah. Yeah, so, I, mean, I mean, you have, like like we were saying, you have La La Land, where everybody wants, Arrival, Moonlight. I also think that, you know, don't be surprised, even though it is in the different category, you know, Zootopia, too. You know, it's a very you know, good... I just, I just finished interviewing uh, Rich Moore and Clark Spencer. Rich Moore is the director, the co-director, along with Brian Howard, I believe it is. And then the producer, Clark Spencer, I had a chance to talk to him in this podcast um, along mm-hmm. with you. I had a chance to interview both of them about Zootopia and about the renaissance of animation films. And dude, it was funny because Disney sent me an email and said, yo, are you going to the New York Film Critics Circle dinner? And I said, no. I said, would you like to sit at our table? And I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. So I was invited. And dude, Rich Moore and Clark Spencer were there from Zootopia. They were there to accept an award because Zootopia had one best animated film at the New York Film Critics Circle. So we had a chance to talk, talk about uh, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, which Rich Moore did. He's doing part two now. Uh, they're already setting it up. But it was really, really I – t- I told him, I said, yo, you know what? 
uh, Zootopia might have a lot of lags, even though I, I think Kubo and the Two Strings might just edge them out for Best Animated Film of the Year. Okay, I got, you know what? Let me ask you something. How is that? I haven't yet seen Kubo, Kubo. and the Two Strings is not even a film. It's a piece of art right, because it's stop motion. It's the first time that I had ever seen animated characters truly act in a dramatic fashion. I had never really seen that. I've seen cartoons be cartoons, but not be actors. And that's what threw me for a loop. And I was like, whoa. And then the drama that this film has, the emotional nostalgia, the lo- the grieving, the loss, the uh, being an abandoned child. I mean, dude, the layers of emotion are so deep in this film and the ending is so beautiful and the, just the film aesthetically is so remarkable and it's stop motion. So anything you do in CG, in, in 3D CG, will never beat out stop motion because stop motion takes probably double the amount of time it takes for any other animated film Oh, yeah, film yeah, to do. definitely. So they, they do... Dude, if, if they're going to do stop motion, it's going to be a masterwork of art because no one has seven to ten years to, to lose on a project. Yeah, no, dude, stop motion, one of my favorite besides, you know, uh, Coraline. Tim yeah, besides Tim Burns and Coraline. I, I love, my daughter to this point loves, loves Paranorman. Oh, the horror movie. She loves that film. Yeah. She goes, oh my God. Every time we, 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 we scroll through the movies on the TV, she goes, can I, can I order it? Can I order it? She wow. loves that film. So now that you say that, and she said, how is Kubo? Now, she, I think she wants to see Kubo it. Kubo so is a work of art. We might check it out tonight, hopefully. Yo, Kubo is a work of art. Anybody who comes out of that film and says, this movie ain't good, they don't know movies, man. This movie uh-huh. is, I don't want to use the word rev- revolutionary or innovative, but what I think it's done, it's really pushed the boundaries of where stop motion and storytelling and stop motion can go. I mean, the sky's the limit. And you can see that after you finish watching Kubo and the Two Strings. All right. Yeah, yeah. I got to check it out. All um, right, man. So uh, let's re- Let's do this again. I, I yeah, love talking I, to you, man. Just let me know. You, you know. I'm, I'm here. I'm here for you. All right. Yeah. That's Kelvin Chavez, founder of LatinaReview.com. One of the better minds, one of the godfathers of uh, movie websites uh, here in the United States. Thanks a lot for coming on, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me. And that puts a bow on this 16th episode of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I want to thank Rachel Stockman, Rich Moore, Clark Spencer, and my boy Kelvin Chavez for being on the show. I hope you guys like the show, too. And if you have any questions, just please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at JackRicoOfficial.com. And give us your feedback on the show. Talk next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.